I suppose there's there's no easy way to do it. He said, I have bad news. Kenan's been shot. And, you know, there's that little pause where you know, I want to know what, okay, is he okay? He just said it was fatal. I'm Carol Ofori, and this is the Carol Ofori Podcast for thought-provoking conversations. So as we speak, it has been just over seven months since internationally renowned South African rapper Kenan Forbes, popularly known as AKA, was shot and killed in Florida Road right here in Durban. Now, the brutal murder took place at about 10 p.m. on Friday, the 10th of February, 2023. The multi-award-winning hip-hop star was just 35 years old, and Kenan was killed along with his very close friend, 41-year-old celebrity chef and entrepreneur, Debello Tibbs Mutuani. And to date... Still no arrests have been made. But on Wednesday, the 6th of September, 2023, KwaZulu-Natal police announced that they had located a murder weapon. And during May this year, I spoke to AKA's mom, Lynn Forbes, about that night. And sitting with me today, I'm sitting with AKA's father, Tony Forbes, affectionately known as Uncle Tony. Hi, Uncle Tony. Hello, everybody. Great How to be are here. You? I'm okay, you know. I have my good days and I have my bad days. And uh, it's still very difficult. In some ways, it's even more, I feel the pain more because, you know, it's it's at that stage where I suppose, you know, things have become a little bit more quiet and one is expected to sort of carry on with life. And, and I think now I feel it even more, you know, the, the, the absence, the silence. I don't hear his... I do hear his voice. I see videos, of course. I hear his music and i think that's something you know we at least we can hold on to but it, it's not the same you know getting that hug from him or hearing that little laugh and uh you know so i have my days when i i miss it more and you know some days are better i suppose we're okay you speak so fondly of your son do you want to walk us through the relationship that you had as a father to who we know is aka but to you it's your son keenan yeah, Kenan and I, I suppose, we share passions for a number of things. I think starting with the music, that's a very important part or big part of our relationship. We're always connected with the music. I remember from young age, I used to play them, both my sons, you know, a lot of the old school music. And uh, Kenan was just, I think he was born to be a, a performer and just for music. So that was, yeah, I mean, right up until the end, we used, I used to still send him old school music and say, listen to this boy, listen to this. And of course, he would ignore me for a long time. And then eventually he would come back and say, like, oh, dad, that's a dope track, you know. And I would, or I would get that 2 a.m. call to say, hey, dad, listen to this, you know, I'm sleeping. And uh, so, yeah, the music, we shared a passion for sport. Kenan was very competitive. I'd like to take credit for that because I made sure that I never lost anything to him, you know, whether it was a game of soccer in the yard, I always beat <laughs> <laughs> or whether it was table tennis, whether it, it didn't matter. We always competed and he was fiercely competitive. So we, we loved competing. We loved playing sports. Having said that, the last time that I did play anything with him was a game of chess at his aunt's house here in Durbanville. Yeah, he actually beat me, you know, the last game of chess. So, yeah, so sport, yeah, Man United, we shared a lot. And so a lot of our relationship revolved around, you know, early years, the music, the the love of it, the, the sport. The, um, I mean, there's so many memories of that. Do you remember the moment he came and he said, Dad, I'm going to be AKA and this is what I'm going to do? 
Do you remember that the first time he had this conversation with you or the moment you found out that this is the path your son is following? It wasn't one moment. I mean, it was just, I think from, from an early age, we could see that this is what Kieran was going to do. Uh, my mom lived in Mitchell's Plain, and I, if, if, it's a, a double-story house. And many Sundays, we would sit in the lounge, and then Kenan would descend from the from the stairs, and he would then perform a Michael Jackson song like Bad. He, I still remember he had these um, white sneakers with orange laces. Yeah, he was just a performer from a young age. And it just, you know, it carried on. Um, we would do, we, we loved singing together. We loved uh, doing karaoke. I remember at the, the first idols that we had, um, we had a jacuzzi in our house in, in Houghton. And um, one of our family members actually built a stage on top of the jacuzzi. And wow. we performed like we had a, a karaoke night. Uh, Idols night and Kenan was just you could see just you know getting on the stage he was just uh, yeah so you know and then through high school he, he was always he had this um, big black hardcover book where he would write all his rhymes he would go to the bathroom and he would have this book with him and he was always writing and I remember when he started um, the very first time that they wanted to record with two of his friends they had some tracks that they put down and um I remember a number of Saturdays they you know with these these kids that would they told us now they're going to meet this producer or this artist and he's going to help them and many a uh, uh, Saturday they would come come back empty-handed but he you know he just he showed that uh, perseverance and and um you know so it wasn't you know then he did the first album when he was still at school i don't know if you guys know with a group called entity right yeah so um that was the his, his entree into the into the industry and i suppose from there just you know what happened after that was just natural do you remember the moment you realized wait my son is a star in this country. You know, I think every parent, you see your child as your child. And then there's a moment, whether it's on a stage, whether it's you out with him somewhere, that you're like, hold on, my son's a big deal. People love him. And I think the sort of big moment for us, the first time he was on radio, on YFM, I remember just after they did the album at school with his two friends, they were on an afternoon show at YFM. We literally drove around Joburg, the whole show listening to the whole album. They played almost every track. And it was like, it was this this moment, like, wow, my, our son is on radio. And um, uh, that was the first moment. Um, when did I realize it was big? I can't recall, you know. But, but I think now more than ever, we know the, how big it was. Um, the outpouring of love. The grief, um, you know, across, I see it on, on social media and the people. I go to the mall, I go wherever I go, people stop me and they tell me what he meant to them. And uh, one of his aunts said that she realized how big he was on the day of the funeral, you know, when the, we were on the highway and they were clearing the highway. And she said, like, wow, Kenan was big. Because I was... It, it's it's it wasn't one moment. It, I don't know. It was just I think he was just destined to to do what he did. And Kenan was an incredibly hard worker. 
Um, and it's something I, I'm proud to say that I think we we instilled in him, you know, the um, the work ethic. He was relentless. I remember just after school, he started, um, he, he actually did jingles. I don't know if you know that. At the SABC, he wrote jingles. Uh, for like a year and while he was there he would he said dad i'm working i'm working the compilers you know on the radio like yeah. build up relations with them get to know the people he was amazing with that he taught he taught me so many things but you know just like if you really committed to your passion or if you have the passion and you're really committed to getting somewhere then it, it just shows you know where kinnan has ended just hard work and i was thinking the other day from when he started out you know with the black hardcover book in the house um, and to where, where he is today, you know, not where he was, where he is today. And um, the accolades keep coming and the recognition keep coming. Yeah. So I guess we, we always knew. Now I'd like us to go back to the 10th of February. I'm very curious to find out how you found out, where were you and who called you to tell you what had happened to your son? I was actually in bed early on a Friday night, which is very unusual in, in Cape Town. And I only found out... After 12, because the I went to bed, I fell asleep. The phones were, they tried to get hold of me. Um, and eventually, Lynn's sister's daughter came to the gate here in where I live in, in Durbanville. And um, she couldn't tell me. And she gave me the phone and she put her father on. And he told me that, you know, I suppose there's, there's no easy way to do it. He said, I have bad news. Kenan's been shot. And, you know, there's that little pause where you know, I want to know what, okay, is he okay? He just said it was fatal. And uh, I was standing at the gate. I was sitting now at the gate, like just before, thinking about the, you know, coming on with you. And just in that moment, every time I walked through that gate at night in particular, I remember that moment. And I remember sitting just like, I wouldn't say I collapsed, but I just had to sit down on the ground and just, you know, let it sink in. So yeah, that's how it happened. And uh, in that moment, um, it was actually within probably 10 minutes, it was a case of, okay, it's happened. We, we have things to do. So in that moment, I think, I guess it's it's self-preservation that kicked in. You know, as a father, I, I have to go and do things. I have to go to Durban. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I think it helped me in that moment because you know having to get on a plane go to Durban sort of the busyness kicks in and the focus shifts to that and less on the emotion uh, it's like I could shut it out you know like oh it just naturally it happened yeah that's how it happened and I think when uh, I remember taking a shower you know to get ready to to catch my flight and it was a windstorm night in Cape Town and uh, the bathroom window was open. And at some point, I felt this gush of energy. And I thought it was him. I thought it was him saying, Dad, I'm with you. Yeah. That's how it happened. I'm a very emotional person. So if you see me <laughs> reaching out to my tissues, yeah, then, then you know what. It's obviously very difficult to have to relive something that's pretty fresh. I mean, it's only been seven months since that happened. And your candid response is really appreciated because I can understand how difficult this may be. I did ask Lynn the question whether she forgave his killers. Have you? I'm not there yet. I can only forgive someone if I know who did it. I cannot forgive a faceless person. I have, I think it's it's a journey for me. I mean, it's, it's a cliche to say that, but it definitely is a process 
I still want to find out who did it and go through that and understand it. I guess the forgiveness will come, but not right now. It's it's not something, and, and I'm being honest, and that's how I feel. I don't sit and think about, you know, the people that did this. And, you know, I don't sit by the phone waiting for someone to phone us and tell us, you know, there's been an arrest or this or that. Because if I did, that's all I would do. I focus on on my life and the family, and I try to do the best I can to deal with, with the loss, you know, this hole that's inside it me. That's what occupies me most of the time. I don't think about the people that did it. I do want justice. It is slow, but I also understand why it's a slow process. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, there will come a time when we will find out more and then, you know, I'll have to go through the thought process, the emotions, the forgiveness. I know I'll have to deal with it, but it's like it's over there, you know, across that bridge when we come to it. Have I forgiven right now? No, I can't forgive. I don't know who am I forgiving. <laughs> with that being said, I think what shocked many South Africans and, and I'm, I'm certain the family was the viral nature of how South Africa found out that he had been murdered. Have you have you seen this awful, tragic footage? And what are your thoughts on this social media world and how this played out for your family? I saw it the next morning before it came out on social media. When we landed in Durban, we went to the mortuary and then we went to Wish. And at Wish, we got the footage. And for me personally, just putting aside social media, I needed to see that. And I've looked at it many, many times, because I wanted to see these last moments. And I take comfort from a few things. Um, the fact that it happened very quickly, I don't think there was any time for him to realize what was happening. I take comfort from that, you know. I saw that moments before it happened that he embraced his friend and he had a smile on his face. And so those are the good things that I take from it. I'm a person for detail, so I wanted to see how it happened. I wanted to see what my, my son went through. And I think I wouldn't say I found him you know, what a healing in it. But I it's something. I, I wanted to see it and I wanted to see his, his last moments. And um as for social media, I don't have strong views that perhaps it's it's um might sound um harsh. In South Africa, this is I think Kinnan is the third artist that died in the same way within a short period of time. And, you know, so we have a bigger problem than just Kinnan's uh, murder. And I think people, in a way, they need to know about it. They need to see it. Um, they don't have to see all the details. But I didn't really have a strong view about the fact that it was on social media. I, I had other things to think about. I had other things to, to go through. It is what it is. You know, it's, it's out there. So with that being said, a lot of people would say after seeing that footage, you would be an angry person. Would you say you're going through that? I do have moments when I have some anger. And I think, you know, I would see a, an image of him with Cairo or see an image of you know, just just an image of him. And I would, you know, go through you know, like, who gave them the right to do this? Who does something like this? And that in that moment, I do feel some anger. But I, it doesn't occupy my mind. I cannot be angry. I'm determined not to be hateful because it would destroy me. 
you know, so I choose to, I guess, yeah, I choose to focus on my own journey, the loss and finding inspiration on, you know, in the things that he did and also applying it in my life and seeing how I can build on his legacy, leave my own legacy. I remember when, you know, in the week leading up to the funeral, when the students came to the gate and I realized this, the impact in and had. And I'm very passionate about paying it forward. So in my field, I'm in software development, you know, teaching kids to code, for example, is something that I've always wanted to do. And I feel challenged. I choose to be challenged more by the examples he showed me, like, you know, how am I doing that in my life, you know, and, and focusing on that capturing the memories of, you know, of Kinnan and whether it's, you know, or, or sharing the memories. So on Instagram, you know, I would post the pictures, you know, of us together or as a family. And, you know, I choose to do that as opposed to, to being angry. Do I have moments? Of course I do. It's human, but it, it doesn't dominate me. As the family, I'm assuming you'd know the latest with regards to this case. We do know that the firearm has been retrieved and the police are working on arrests and the future possible arrests. Can you give us an update of where it's at now? Yeah, so pretty much what was shared. We are due to meet with uh, DPP in the next couple of, probably in the next month, for them to to give us more detailed, you know, view of the progress um, and also the direction they're taking. I suppose, you know, it's easy to think that it's been very slow, but it has only been seven months. I have to take off my hat to the investigating team, um, Detective Bob Pillay and his team. I'm really grateful. You know, it's painstaking because think about it, they only have that footage that they started with and it's not conclusive and they needed to build things from the ground up. So I do realize it takes time to do that. So, I mean, the gun being found, I think is definitely a good breakthrough because hopefully they can trace it backwards in terms of, you know, where the gun came from. And they've kept us abreast. There has been periods where obviously, you know, it's been a bit silent. And, you know, they they told us a few months ago that they've identified a, a list of people of interest. I think that's what they call them, suspects. And they're working with the, the NPA or the Director of Public Prosecutions to build the case. Um, because you don't also want to go to arrests and then go to trial and then, you know, it's a flimsy case and then it just falls over. So Bob Poulet and his team have really worked hard on that. And um, we have to give the process more time. I know that the public is calling out for arrests and, you know, and we'd like to see that too. But it, it's got to be done right and thorough as well. So we still want to give the process and, and the authorities the space to do what they need to do. So in the next month, we'll hear more. And that's just more in the next month because of scheduling difficulties. I'm in Cape Town, Linz in Joburg. Yeah, so in a month's time, we'll probably have more progress. And uh, it again, it's not something that, you know, Lynn, myself and Stefan, we wait and wait to, you know, for news every day. We understand it takes time. Sure, there are days when it does seem slow, but yeah, I mean, that's where we're at. So they have the gun, they have a list of people. From the commissioner's statement, it sounds like they identified a number of vehicles. And of course, publicly, they cannot share more than that because they may jeopardize the case. They'll share more details with us. But yeah, I guess it's looking better. Let's see. But I think we have to be patient because we also, we also don't want to get our hopes up. 
in terms of, you know, there's a timeline where, you know, we expect things to happen by a certain date because we may get there and find it doesn't happen and it takes longer. So yeah, Carol, that's the that's the status. And what does justice look like to you? For me, it's not only catching and bringing to book the shooters, but all of those behind it, including where the instruction for the hit came from. For me, that's justice. Will we get there in South Africa, the way things are going? I'm not sure we're going to get the full truth. I hope we do. And that, you know, whoever gave the instruction is also brought to book. Um, that would be first prize for me, but we'll see. We'll probably see some people prosecuted successfully. Will it be everyone? We're not sure. You mentioned having to come to Durban. You went to the mortuary, you went to the scene of the crime. Have you ever been back to Durban? I ask this question because I think for, for Durbanites, I recently moved here three years ago. I don't think anyone in this town will forget what happened on the 10th of February. You know, the sole place it took us all. Um, so I'm curious to find out, have you ever been back since the time you went to go and identify your son's body? I haven't been back. I flew there the morning and it was amazing the support that we got in Durban. We had to do all our business in Durban in one day, you know, and from there it was back to, you know, I went to Joburg and sort of life since then has just been about, you know, for me commuting to Cape Town and, and Johannesburg. So I haven't been back there. I mean, I remember the the support that we got from the police, everyone, uh, people at Wish, everyone was very helpful. And I, I do recall, and I'm very grateful for that, the, the support. I remember seeing some public events, or I think, the, I don't know, it was the Sunday at Wish, um, people came out in numbers. I remember the interview uh, one of the journalists did with uh, people parking their cars in the road, Florida Road, and they were playing Kenan's music. And uh, I remember they interviewed one fan and he was um, playing Kenan's music. And I could see that people in Durban loved him. And, you know, the support we got was amazing. The police, they helped us, staff at the, at the mortuary. Yeah, everyone was, and I'd like to go back there. Not necessary for, you know, to go back to, to Wish or anything, but, you know, hopefully we can take a tribute concert or something to that, an event to Durban. We, we were at um, Joburg Day last week. I even did a verse on the stage. Uh, <laughs> I saw the footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're going to put a mic in my hand, you know, it just comes out eventually. Yeah, so we, we're thinking in future a, tri a tribute concert, and we're aware that Kenan had a big following in, you know, throughout South Africa. And I'd like to think we will do something in Durban as well, you know, because people loved him. And that, for me, it just unfortunately happened in Durban. But it doesn't uh, detract from from the love that we've seen from Durban and the following Kinnan had. So yeah. Speaking of his birthday, is the twenty eighth of January, and uh, he would have been thirty six this coming January. You mentioned uh, tribute concert, which sounds amazing. Is the family sitting around twenty eighth January or any other milestone dates in his life at the stage? So we haven't finalized things, but we're working on some type of uh, tribute event um, celebrating and, and probably a few different things we would do. If I had my way, we would have a massive party, you know, like <laughs> I love partying. <laughs> I love yeah. music. And 
for me, it's the best way to bring Kenan's spirit, you know, like to feel him is is in that way where his friends, whether it's a picnic or something. You know, I'd like to think we're going to do that around his birthday. You know, February will be will be quiet in February, but I don't think it's just we won't confine it to to just his birthday celebration. Um, and there, there has been. You know, even Joburg Day. Maybe we'll have something at K Day. Um, you know, everything is a celebration of him. Uh, you know, it's not not one, but the 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 tribute concert, whether it's one concert in Joburg or whether it's you know concerts in different cities, including Durban, is is something we still have to figure out. You know, there's so much going on. We still. You know, dealing with with his estate. There's a lot of things happening, and and dealing with our grief, and you know, what we're going through, and um, you know, and and in some ways, we've also said, you know, just you know, we almost need to just um, you know, like focus on prioritize and focus on the things that's most important right now. So, and as a family, dealing with with the loss. We grieve in different ways and, you know, supporting one another and, and you know, doing things, you know, go to the grave together, you know, uh, have a, a family get together, you know, and, and those are, that's what we choose to do right now. Speaking of going to the grave, um, you based in Cape Town, you've mentioned, how often do you go to the grave? I've actually only been to the grave twice, the funeral and the day after the metros. Um, this last weekend when I was there. We planned to go and it just didn't work out. But I know Lynn goes very often. For me, I remember the the second time around when I went there. This is after the metros. And we, we went there, we put the flag on his grave and we put the trophies there. And, um, you know, and his friends were there and lit the candles. And um, I, I remember feeling much more emotional than what I expected. It's like, it's, I still hear, I, I do hear him, obviously. He's everywhere, still on social media. But when you go there and you see the grave, even if I just see the board with his name on, you know, it kind of just sinks in again. Because there are days when I, I, I don't believe that it happened. You know, it's uh, it's like it didn't happen. And it's like, is he really gone? You know, um, I suppose that's natural. It is very, very natural. And, you know, you speak about the metros. He's just been uh, nominated for the fifth time for the BETs, for a Song of the Year Award. And he won this at the DSTV Content Creator Awards. There just seems to be nomination after nomination, award after award. Uh, then accolades are coming in for this album as well. It's just been doing so well. I mean, how do you feel that this is all happening and he's not even here to see it happen and experience it with you as a family? He's the super mega man. He's not surprised. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, incredibly proud. I mean, Kinnan is, uh, what, what did he say? I've been winning for a long time. You know, he always won. He always uh, got the accolades. He always, and he worked hard, incredibly hard. And I'm I'm very proud of the, of Mass Country. Personally, I'd also take some satisfaction there. There's, there's some tracks that's heavily influenced and also is sampled uh, from the old school music that I played for him last time. I don't know if you know that track. You know, so I'm, I'm, and I'm also very proud that the way in which he collaborated, he collaborated with, with established artists, Kuli and, and Yanga and so on and so on. But he also collaborated with with up and coming, um, and that was what Kenan was about. He always um, gave opportunities, and he always supported people coming up. And I remember 
it was a Tuesday night before the funeral. We had, you know, all these artist friends there. And like solid three hours, they all got up and spoke about their journeys with him. I remember Rouge saying, you know, how he gave an opportunity to her when no one else would. You know, and if I think about Mass Country, you know, he showed it there as well. Yeah, and Kenan was about the music. He was a perfectionist. I'm, I'm proud of Mass Country and the accolades um, and the awards and, you know, the album going platinum says people loved his music. People loved him. And, you know, that makes me proud and, and grateful. So, yeah, I'm very excited. And by the sounds of it, it's not the last awards or accolades that's coming. Um, there's something big coming up at BET as well, which you guys will find out in due course. What we did notice is that when he passed, a lot of his friends were around the family, supporting the family. Do you still see a lot of his friends? Are they still coming around? Are they still a part of your family? Well, I mean, they don't come around as much because, you know, at that time we, it was at Kenan's place. So, you know, we obviously gave up that place. But I do see them. And when I do see them, I feel closer to him. You know, I see Don and Les and, um, and I try to spend time with them. I feel definitely feel closer to them, you know, and the support we had, you know, like that week in particular, we didn't lack for anything. His friends were there. And as a dad, I rem you know, like, I think typically in any families, you know, when there's a, a, a death, you know, someone has to take charge and organize this and organize that. But his friends took so much off us. In one week, we had the memorial, um, the funeral. It was just amazing, the support. So his friends definitely played a big role in, in helping us through and continue to do so. So yeah, I'm very, I'm still very close to to his friends. Probably even more closer, uh, closer now compared to when when he was alive, you know. And and for me, it's when I go to Joburg and I spend time with them. It's like um, I can feel him, you know. They tell me the stories about him, you know. Um, do you remember this time when Kenan did this, or you know, like they talk amongst themselves? And you know, I feel I feel good. I feel like yeah, I'm connecting. How is Stefan doing and how is little Cairo doing? I know after Joburg Day, she did break down. So let me start with Stefan. Uh, I think Stefan is, is fine. We're as fine as we can be. He's grieving his brother. Uh, he was very close to his brother. You know, we all grieve in different ways. Stefan's a very private person, but I think he's, he's going through the same things we're going through. But he's strong. I remember the morning when we had to go to Durban. It was the first time that I'd ever gone to... It was the first time I ever went to a mortuary. <laughs> it's the first time I ever identified someone. And uh, I couldn't have done it with, without Stefan. You know, Stefan is very strong, very rational, um, very strong person. So, yeah, but, he, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take time for all of us, in, including for Stefan. As for Cairo, I mean, she's just a superstar. But she, you know, for me, she's Cairo, my granddaughter. She is a child still. She misses her dad. I remember my dad passed when I was three. He drowned when he went to help his sister um, in the sea. And I remember I was three and, and I didn't at first realize the, you know, what had happened. I knew, I, I remember going to his funeral and seeing and touching his face and all of those things. But only later did it, did I realize he was really gone forever. And I think fortunately Cairo had more time with him. But I think it's probably similar in some ways for children that, you know, the the realization of what's happened and the reality of what's happened um, 
sort of takes longer to sink in. But she's a very brave and resilient child. Personality-wise, she's like her father. Um, he was a very brave person. And I think Cairo is, is, she reminds me so much of him, like he's like a toes, you know, he's got these long toes. And I was like, oh, that's Kenan's toes, you know, or <laughs> she'll giggle in a certain way or pull her face in a certain way. And then, you know, I, I see Kenan uh, when he was growing up. So she's very much her father's child. But I also think, I mean, she's growing up with so much love around her and so much support. And she, she's very confident. We asked her on, on Saturday, do you want us to come onto the stage with you? She said, no, 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 no. I'm going on my own. And she went, for most of the track, she did it by herself. And I think it's it's only natural that she'll miss her dad. I think for me, what was what was sad last week was, it, it was obviously a happy, you know, it was a happy occasion, but also just seeing his microphone with his flag just standing there. You know, it was it was sad when you when I, I remember looking at that. And and I think she just, you know, in that moment she felt a dad. But you know, she's generally she's strong. She's strong. And the next day there was a picnic at uh, Zintle's house and um she had her cousins there. She's running around, having a great time. You know, so Cairo is um I think she's doing as well as can be expected, you know, in terms of the, the sadness. But generally she's she's a very a balanced, strong child. And as we're nearing the end of our conversation, you've somewhat become basically taken the chair from Joshua Dorr as our favorite uncle, but you're not in the furniture business. <laughs> You've now become the Uncle Tony and everybody's uncle in Mzansi. I mean, when you're introduced on the stage, this is how South Africa's fondly come to know you. How have you received this Uncle Tony for all the nephews and nieces across Mzansi and Africa for that matter? Yeah, it's, a, it's an experience, but it's a high price to pay. I get stopped. People recognize me in places that I didn't think they would recognize me. And they do come and they do want to take pictures with me. And I always tell them, like, I'm not a celebrity, you know, um, Kenan was. But I never refuse a photograph, um, always greet them, because I know it's it's a testimony to how he lived his life and the impact he made on them. And it, just listening to them, describing what he meant to them, it helps me. To, and I hear it almost every day. You know, I was a big fan he was, you know, um, I'm proud of him, the way he put us on the map, you know, like, and every time I hear that, I can't hear it enough. And it helps me with my with my grief and to remind me, you know, who he was. So, yeah, I mean, it's a high price to pay to be Uncle T, but, you know, I embrace it um, because it reminds me of him. And I have to behave in a certain way, you know, because I am his dad, you know. Yeah, and it, it makes me proud. But thanks for having me on the show. You know, if it wasn't for Uncle T, you wouldn't have me on the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And lastly, your message to all the fans that are, they're grieving with you. They're going through this journey with you. They want the justice with you. What's the message to the Megacy? Yeah, I guess, um, thank you. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for honoring Kenan the way you have. Thank you for lifting us up, you know, when it's difficult days, you know, I go and I, I read on social media what people say, you know, so I, I we can only say thank you. We can also only ask that we, we know that people want to see justice. And so do we, we ask for some, just, you know, some patience and to be responsible, you know, in, in, in this process. And, uh, 
I guess, you know, keep buying the music and playing the music, you know, that, and thank you. Uncle Tony, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your candidness. And I'm sending lots of love and light to you and the family. And we will be watching closely all the accolades that will be piling up in your homes as he just keeps on, you know, getting nominating, winning these awards and just staggering with those amazing numbers with his music. So we thank you so much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is the Carol LaFori Podcast, an East Coast radio podcast. Follow or subscribe via ecr.co.za under podcasts or your phone's podcast app.